0: Welcome to the Bentonville Beacon, where we bring you success stories from business leaders and owners about their triumphs and growth in the Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas community. You'll hear about how Bentonville has been the backdrop for incredible growth, not only for businesses and their employees, but in their personal lives as well. Tune in, subscribe, and enjoy hearing about Bentonville, where you get more of what you want and less of what you don't. Welcome back to the Bentonville Beacon podcast, where we're sharing stories and advice from the leaders sparking the rise of Bentonville, one of the fastest growing and most dynamic cities in the United States, nestled in the Ozark Mountains of Northwest Arkansas in the heartland of America. Hey, I'm your host, James Bell, and it's been a bit that I've been trying to get this next guest on the show. So I am thrilled to welcome to the show Michael Palladino. Thank you. Uh, sure. Michael is a co-founder and chairman of RevUnit, which is one of the modern day OGs in the startup ecosystem here in Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas. So, Michael, before we get into this, I want to first say thank you to you and Joe Weber, your co-founder. When I was first thinking about coming here to Bentonville and bringing my family, I started calling a bunch of folks. You were one of the folks I was referred to you and Joe and had conversations with y'all to learn or with you to learn about more about Bentonville. And then I came in August of 2020 and went through the, I'll call it the uh, the gauntlet of folks I had to interview with. And it turned out that you and Joe are two of those folks. And so y'all helped me make that decision, helped my family make that decision.
1: Yeah. So thank you so much. You're welcome. I, I remember it well. It's always fun to talk about the area and you were one that approached approach the conversation with such a, an interest in learning about the area. enjoyed the conversation then and enjoying the conversation now. Awesome. I appreciate
0: it. Well, hey, let's start with the easy question, yeah. Michael. Uh, will you tell me or tell our audience what they should know about you?
1: Yeah. So I, I'm a Christian. I'm a, a follower of Christ. That's really important to me. I'm a husband. I'm a father. All of those things are probably less, less interesting to your audience than some of my business background, but certainly very, very important to, to me and who I am. From a professional background, I think, of course, RevUnit as a technology company, it's always kind of interesting to to talk about how I got into technology. And so I grew up, my dad was a computer programmer for the state of Arkansas. He did that for 30 plus years. Hmm. As a kid, I never knew what that meant, but he did bring home a computer that ran MS-DOS. It had a modem. It ran Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. And that's all I I could do was go to the MS-DOS prompt and run those two games. But Played with that quite a bit. Of course, then uh, went to college at the Walton College of Business down the road. And I noticed in that first introduction to computers class, um, I hadn't declared a major, but when everyone else was doing the bare minimum to get that first website done or paying somebody to do it, I was staying up till 2 a.m. every night in the lab, learning HTML and really getting excited about that and recognized, wow, I think this is something that, that I really like doing and could be a career for me. Graduated the Walton College, um, had a great time there. Went to uh, ArcBest Technologies, which mm-hmm. was then called Datatronics down in Fort Smith. Great time there, helping to, to build out some of the, the early tech there, just learning what it was like to be a professional software engineer. Uh, moved to a smaller company, Eagle One Logistics, and uh, did about three years there, and then went to Rockfish. And many mm-hmm. people will know of Rockfish, um, based out of Rogers, Arkansas, for a long time. Phenomenal time at Rockfish, just learning learning the business of what it means to be an agency. And then um, from there, started RevUnit back in 2012. So I know we'll end up talking more about that.
0: Yeah, you bet. I have to ask, uh, since uh, you grew up in Central Arkansas, is that right? Yes, sir. Where did you go to high school? Went to Little Rock Catholic. Catholic, all right, yes, sir. excellent. I, I uh, went to, well, it became Little Rock McClellan my senior year. Gotcha. No longer exists. I guess they needed a new building. Yeah, I I
1: loved my time at uh, at Little Rock Catholic. And there's actually an alumni event coming up here in a couple of weeks that they're going to be in Northwest Arkansas down in Fayetteville. They'll get to go hang out with some of the alumni. So always, always good to hang out with that network.
0: Oh, very cool. Well, I wasn't around here in 2013, but I've heard a fledgling little tech company called RevUnit was not quite a year old and closed a deal with Walmart to become one of its strategic tech partners. Yeah, We'll dive into that in a moment, but will you share RevUnit's history, maybe start with why you and Joe started the company in the first place?
1: Yeah, so, so Joe and I, um, and you'll hear me talk about Joe a lot, just a, a long-term business partner and friend. He and I were at Rockfish together, and uh, just he, he was an entrepreneur previously, had always had a little bit of that itch to do something on his own. And at that time, we just sort of looked around the market as Rockfish was getting bigger. There were some different things happening in the entrepreneurial community, but there was a gap in companies that could help support those smaller companies trying to get a product off the ground. Again, going back to 2012, it was just a different, it was a different world. You didn't have low-code environments and all the different tooling that is out there now. So we saw that need. We felt like we could meet that need. We knew how to build product. We knew that we worked well together. And out of that is where we started RevUnit. And just brief history of the name... The name, the, the unit of that is the idea of the small cross-functional team, almost this military unit that can mm-hmm. work really, really well together and rev the idea of acceleration and mo- movement. And so our, our hypothesis from day one is that these small cross-functional teams that really focusing on interpersonal relationships, really focusing on process could move a lot faster than some of the bigger teams. So. That's Very where cool. we got started, and it's, um, it's been just a, a great journey since then.
0: Well, that's cool. Well, let, you know, I guess less than a year old, for your first official birthday, uh, a team of 12 folks, and you closed a deal with Walmart. How did you achieve that so quickly? quickly? Yeah. yeah, that was, uh, gosh, it, it, it
1: makes me nervous to go back to that time and think about that. We, there, there's a few things I point to and and you'll hear this throughout any conversation that i have about business and about revenue, and it's largely relationships and so joe and i both had put a huge emphasis on doing right by people throughout our, our careers whether that was employees that we were hiring previous employees we were working for the clients we were working for the vendors that were working for us whatever that was just uh treating people with respect and building that relationship and Ultimately, it was a relationship with uh, sort of a friend of a friend that got us to one of those conversations. Um, but the second piece, the, the reason the conversation actually moved forward was because of the talent that we had been bringing in. And so a couple of the individuals at Walmart that made that decision had looked at some of the talent that we were bringing into our company and uh, were, were impressed with the work that we were doing already in that very small amount of time and the people that we had. And so that caught their attention. And lastly, this one's a little bit harder to uh, to plan for, but a lot of luck. You know, we were we were very fortunate, and uh, when I look back on our time, so much of the RevUnit story, there have been these just serendipitous, just meetings that have happened, um, run-ins with people, and uh, frankly, just the. We got lucky that we got to the right stakeholders Um, when we got the opportunity, we showed up strong and and we showed up strong once we closed that deal, too, so that we had a long term, um, really healthy relationship with them.
0: Cool. So I think I heard do right by people, great relationships, a lot of luck. (laughs) Absolutely. And come in strong. Yeah. Awesome. Let's go further. What exactly is it that RevUnit offers to its customers, and what does an ideal customer look like for you as well? Yeah,
1: we'll we'll talk a little bit about the evolution here in a bit. But today, what we're doing is building emerging technology for the supply chain, and so um, we're a professional services company. We come in and do um, custom work for those companies that can it takes a lot of a lot of shapes, but Largely, we're looking at creating a great customer experience for that company, um, whether that is integration with one of their clients or whether that's creating a new front end for a new system. In the supply chain, you can't do that unless you have a control tower level Mm -hmm. visibility of your supply chain, know where your product is. Um, You can't do that if you don't have the right sensors and IoT and connected devices out in the field. And so we work in that space as well with some edge computing type solutions at times. And then what often happens is we start talking about this great customer experience that they want to provide, but when we really dive in, that infrastructure level needs work. And so a lot of what we do ends up being um, data aggregation, data warehousing, things like that. So you picture a company that's Mm -hmm. been doing acquisitions for years, that's been you know, working for a number of different clients and has all of these different systems. And so they oftentimes were having to pull those things together just so they can begin to get visibility into their platform. But that's the type of work we're doing today. It's been really meaningful and yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Of course, everyone knows as of 2020, everyone is hyper aware of what mm-hmm. supply chain means. No one knew what that was before or cared, but uh, obviously it's, it's been a good space for
0: us. You uh, made me shudder a little bit talking about a problem that that I well know. There was a company once that my longest ride with the company was, well, let's see if we can do this in one breath. It was 10 and a half years, six job titles, five company names, four cities, three states and two severances later (laughs) is when I decided that maybe I should go somewhere else. But as you might imagine from that description, there were a number of acquisitions in there. And we were usually on the bot side of it. And... At one point, we had uh, a customer service organization operating, I think, four distinct systems. <laughs> and so we'd call into customer service and all this information would be disconnected and Sounds like exactly the sort of thing that you guys have been solving. For Absolutely, it's,
1: it's impossible. And you think about supply chain and where your product yeah. is, how to be able to provide visibility, especially today as supply chain moves closer and closer to your front door and into your kitchen and refrigerator, right? You think about all the different links in that, that chain and trying to provide a cohesive experience to the customer where they don't have to feel mm-hmm. all of those different links. Again, we do a lot of work around that space.
0: Yeah. So, uh, Michael, you mentioned a moment ago, evolution of the company. Will you talk about how the how RevUnit has grown and shifted over the years to sort of meet the market and and take advantage of opportunities Yeah. So a lot of people
1: listening to this podcast are likely in Northwest Arkansas, likely know RevUnit as a digital Mm -hmm. product agency. So for the majority of our years from 2012, really until um, about 2021, our our focus was on just building great digital products. And so that would be across industries, that would be across life stage of company, whether that was a startup or an enterprise, Our, our expertise is in that product development process and that's that's where we were for most of our life when the last three years there's obviously been a lot of change macroeconomically and so it required us to look at ourselves a little bit and think where is the the market going where can our capability apply to that market and what is the right to win that we have well so much of our work was naturally in supply chain related fields with Walmart, J.B. Hunt, Tyson um, from our local client base and obviously the ecosystem that we have around here. So we'd been in that space. We just never told the market that we were specializing in that space. And so the last couple of years, we have we have doubled down on that space, putting all of our marketing efforts into that, putting our research efforts into that so that we truly do understand a lot more about that space today as opposed to just being a, a generic digital product agency. And so we still are really great at product. We've built out additional data capabilities, but um, yeah, it's been, an, it's been an interesting evolution for me as a CEO. Previously, it's to sort of move through that transition for us as a company was interesting. It's, it's scary to move into something else. It's scary to, and tough to build that brand awareness in the space. but. It's worked out well for us over the last year or two.
0: Now, well, you've, you're clearly doing something right. You have had some pretty amazing success. Did you have any idea when founding RevUnit how much success and, and how things would progress?
1: You know, I, I, I answer that with yes and no. And so Joe and I, having been through the growth journey that Rockfish was on, and, and for those that don't know, Rockfish, phenomenal digital agency. Kenny Tomlin ran that company. Mm-hmm you know, massive, massive growth. And so that's what we knew. That's what we expected to do just because of that lineage that, that we had. And so I, Joe and I often joke, we go, there, there's a spreadsheet that we put together, you know, day one or two of the company as we were doing the financial modeling. And we thought, man, if we can get to eight people, this thing will be self-sustaining <laughs> and look at how good this is going to work out. And then we we did that over the course of three to five years, and so we actually had really big ambitions when we started. So to some extent, because we had seen what could happen, we did have that ambition. And so now, how we got there was a much more a much more jagged line than what we thought. I, there's you know there's a graphic out there of what you think it's going to be like. Uh-huh. It's a nice slow up into the right curve, and then what it's actually like of just zigzags all over the place. It was definitely the latter, but 10 and a half years in now, gosh, it's it's been incredibly meaningful to me personally. It's been meaningful to my family. In fact, at uh, our fifth year anniversary, I got a tattoo of a rocket on oh, my cool. left arms, my only tattoo, just because Rev Unit has been such a, just such an, an instrument for for change and growth, in me and for my family. Um, nothing tests you like an entrepreneur, uh, an entrepreneurial journey, as you well know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's some dark nights and uh, you know many high, dark nights. Absolutely, high highs and low lows, and mm-hmm. um,
0: got to experience all of those in that process. Nice. Well, you know, you've really affected our ecosystem too. I was making myself some notes about Endeavor uh, recently dropping a report mapping our local entrepreneurial ecosystem. I think they called it the network analysis of the Northwest Arkansas Entrepreneurship Community. Looking at that document, it's absolutely clear that RevUnit was a cedar, one of the cedars of the, I'll call it the modern day startup ecosystem here, and is one of the ongoing cultivators of our startup community. Over the past decade, y'all have uh, fueled innovation and the success and the entrepreneurial spirit of uh, Bentonville and of Northwest Arkansas. Will you talk about this and then share with our audience also, what was the ecosystem like 10 years ago? And what has happened since then? Yeah, 10 years ago, a lot lot
1: less entrepreneurial support organizations Mm -hmm. in the area, but I think we all... We all have those models and that inspiration to look at. And in that time, Startup Junkie, who we all know well, they were, they were active in the community, one of the only kind of groups active sure. in the community in the space. But they had, they had stood up the iceberg, which was a co-working space at the time. They started the ARC Challenge with some of the listeners. will probably remember um, an accelerator in those early, early days. A number of people helped to start that up all of that was inspiration to us as we looked at gosh might we be able to go out and do something on our own what we found is everyone was generous with their time um jeff was willing jeff amrine was willing to meet with us very very early on and help us just understand what it was like to actually run our own company so it was really interesting seeing uh, just how small that community was at that time. Stan and April were, were getting started. Mm-hmm. They were sort of the, they were a year or two ahead of us and one, the, you know, people that we looked to as, as models. John James, of course, had had wild success with Acumen Brands at that time. Um, Jordan Carlisle was running Startup Weekends. And so it was this almost fledgling community that felt a little, a little more underground almost than, than what it is today. But it was, I think what, what has been consistent is a group of people that really want to see each other succeed and to help each other in that process. And so it was a smaller community, but a, a tight-knit community. CEO Forum and Tim McFarland is a, a group who mm-hmm. has been there all along through that journey and is still helping CEOs and founders connect today and have that sort of peer accountability and um, opportunity to share. So yeah, it was an interesting, interesting ecosystem to be a part of. I'm grateful that we had that opportunity. Now, it, it's funny, uh, it's easy to look back on some of the things that have happened more recently with Fuel and Bentonville Ignite, some of our community engagement. I've, I've loved the opportunity to give back to the community, but I'd be lying if I said it wasn't somewhat selfish in, in how we approached all those things. We knew We were a small company and we had to get creative in talent. We had to get creative in building those relationships. And so our primary approach was just be everywhere, whether that was helping with workforce development to to help find more creative ways to get access to talent or to show up at the startup weekend to help companies potentially spin out of that that might turn into clients. All of those were, were things and activities that we participated in so that we could be both good citizens, um, in that ecosystem, but also, uh, you know, selfishly bring talent in, potentially bring opportunities into us. So I always joke that, you know, it's, it, it's easy to be altruistic when it also helps you out. And we've been very fortunate as, uh, as members of the community to be able to both help out the community while also, um, having that help lift us up as a company.
0: No, you know, many times that's the way it is, right? Especially in the early stage is you can take a sort of, we'll call it selfish look at it, but that turns into very altruistic work. Yeah. your company maybe doesn't do as well without that ecosystem around you. So you have to do the work. I mean, uh, Stan with Movisa was on this show a few weeks ago or a few months ago. We sort of had that same conversation about, you have to build the ecosystem. So I wouldn't call it selfish. I would call it just what you have to do. Right. Mutually um, beneficial is a, a great thing. There you go. It's a symbiotic relationship with the ecosystem. But you continue to do it today and you don't necessarily have to do that now. The ecosystem's here.
1: Yeah, that's, that's fair. I, that, that comes down to what do I like doing? And yeah. I like connecting with people and I like being able to share the experiences that we've had and hope that others can, can learn from that process for sure.
0: Well, somebody supporting that, that ecosystem, I, I appreciate that. Where do you see the entrepreneurial ecosystem and startup community in Bentonville and in Northwest Arkansas going in the next 10 years?
1: Yeah, it's, it's hard not to look at it through my lens as kind of later stage, 10 and a half years mm-hmm. into this. You know, my hope is that those of us that have had some level of success of building companies find the right ways to reinvest back into the community so i do just enjoy being around the community my hope though is to see others come along and create their own rev units i think that's evidenced by that endeavor map that you see Um, there's a lot of people that have left rev unit to go on to start their own businesses which i I couldn't be more excited about so i hope to see various generations of entrepreneurs finding ways to give back and support the next generation of entrepreneurs, because we all know the types of opportunities that that creates for employees, for the region, et cetera. Gosh, I, I, the other thing that I look at is I sure hope we continue to attract the level of talent that we're attracting to this area. And so I think everyone knows who Charu Thomas is at this mm-hmm. point with Ox and you, that story of her Coming here from Georgia Tech, the level of talent that she's brought—you see what that, what has happened with that company. Carter Malloy moving up here with Acre Trader, um, Chris Thompson with Sober Sidekick. You look at that level of talent that we have attracted to this region to be able to start their businesses here. Again, Josh Stanley with Cartwheel Studios. Yeah. Um, these are. These are people that are going to be economic catalysts for the region, and my hope is that we continue to recognize that and find ways, whether it's through the LifeWorks Here program or other ways of getting people to this region so that we can keep that entrepreneurial flywheel going.
0: Yeah, there's some pretty amazing people being uh, attracted here, and they're all doing amazing work. Since you mentioned Charu, of course, she just announced, you know, ox just announced their $12.6 million raise, and that money was, you know, raised from a variety of places, but I believe she is the youngest founder in the state who have raised, has made a raise of that size. That has to be true. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty impressive uh, what she's done. Michael, you've been a key leader building the tech ecosystem here. What would you say to tech leaders and you mentioned uh, other talents, so tech leaders and workers about this area and whether they should have a presence here?
1: Yeah, I think this is an interesting mix of big enterprise, mid-sized companies and and entrepreneurs and startups. And so you think about the type of technology talent that is here. You look at what Walmart, J.B. Hunt, Tyson have to solve on a Mm -hmm. daily basis. Those problems are as hard or harder than any Silicon Valley company out there because of the scale they operate at. And so we have that level of talent here that depth of talent in particular areas in some of these enterprises. Now, what tends to happen is some of them stay there, but some of them take that experience and move out and end up in some of these mid-sized companies or Mm -hmm. entrepreneurial endeavors. And so for people looking to move to the area, you've got everything from the career changer that's just getting started after having gone through a, a program at the University of Arkansas Global Campus or something like that, all the way up to highly, highly senior level talent. And it's all mixed together here. And, I, you know, it's not always easy to find it. And I think we all know that we need to see more technology talent in the area. But the breadth of talent we have here is is pretty incredible.
0: That's great. Well, you know, here in Bentonville, it seems like a spark has turned into a blazing inferno the last 10 years. And somebody who's been around long enough to see it. What would you say our secret sauce or our secret fuel, if you will, that has caused this explosion in tech, quality of life, and so on? Yeah, I think even just tagging on to that previous
1: answer, there's so many organizations here that are trying to, to do good and trying to create opportunities. But I think the, the word that I come back to often is access you're never more than one or two steps away from just about anybody in this community. And from what I understand, that's relatively unique. I've had the Mm -hmm. fortune of, you know, being in Bentonville now for 10 plus years. And uh, so that's really the only professional ecosystem that I really know well, but my understanding is that's not true everywhere else. Here, if you want to talk to the right person, you might already know them from your kid's soccer game on Saturday mornings, or it's typically not that hard to find somebody that does know them that is more than happy to give an introduction. And I think, I think that comes from a place, at least for me, it comes from a place of recognizing the growth and opportunity that Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas bring. When there is so much growth, when there is so much opportunity, you're not, it's not a zero-sum game. That's right. You're not, you're not having to fight each other. There's so much opportunity here that you can all succeed together. And I think I see that all the time from, gosh, the relationships with other agency owners in the area, Josh Smith at Mm Matova and Casey Kenzie at Lofty. We all know each other. We all cheer each other on. We all support each other because we all know that we can be successful here. There's enough room for everyone
0: to succeed. Yeah, that makes sense. Man, access is something I think that comes up on probably 80 or 90% of the Bentonville Beacon episodes. And it comes up and it seems like, in all forms. But, but I do agree with you that that level of access is a key ingredient in what's uh, happened here. You know, if a, speaking of access, it's almost like you read my mind. If an entrepreneur or tech leader is coming to Bentonville to visit or to relocate, who should they get to know in this ecosystem to understand the lay of the land?
1: Yeah, I think from a technology perspective, it's always good to, to talk to those of us that have run technology companies. So I'll, I'll throw my name in the hat to help mm-hmm. uh, you know, provide my, my knowledge of the ecosystem. But guys like Jared Smith at KiteString, um, Josh Smith, and I think you had Josh Dunce on recently mm-hmm. from Matova, Joe Earhart at Teslar. These are, these are people that have been running technology companies in the area that are always more than happy to help share what has worked for them, what hasn't. From, a, from an understanding of the ecosystem much more broadly, gosh, I, I'm always going to plug Startup Junkie. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff and Brett and the team there are incredibly connected and are an underlying force and engine for so many things that are happening in this area. And so they're a, a great stop just to find out more uh, about what's going on. And obviously I would point people to, to you and the, the chamber and the work that you guys are doing to just understand that ecosystem. So, but again, even that's an example. I, I don't think there's anybody on that list that's not more than willing to respond to an email or a text and go have coffee with somebody or give them a quick tour of town or, or whatever, so.
0: Yeah, I, everybody on that list I know would do exactly that. They would jump right in. When you aren't busy cultivating or seeding our tech scene, what is it that you like to do, especially with your family? How do y'all relax on the weekend?
1: Yeah. We're uh we're pretty, pretty simple. I, I feel like we've got orchestra events and all sorts of different things keeping us busy these days, but a, a trip to the square and and grabbing dinner and a, a dessert somewhere downtown, um, taking a walk on the the Compton Gardens Trail or at Kohler or something like that, that tends to the trail system tends to be something that we utilize a fair amount and, yeah, just the, the typical things in Bentonville that we all know and um, have come to somewhat take for granted at times.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, those sound familiar.
1: Yep. Beyond Bentonville, perhaps in those arcs, what's your sort of getaway? Yeah, we love, we love the Buffalo area. I'm sure, I'm sure that's not, uh, not not a novel answer, but um, getting down to the Buffalo River, the Jasper area, um, having dinner, breakfast at the Ozark Cafe mm-hmm. in downtown Jasper on the way out to, to hit some of the trails in that area, getting to see the elk. We love getting outside, nothing too terribly adventurous, but we love that area. And typically that's kind of what we'll do for spring break is try to find a cabin down in that, in that area to get to go get in some hike and that sort of thing. Cool.
0: Yeah, I love that area too. Um, I grew up visiting my grandmother who lived just a couple of miles from Hasty, which nobody Mm. knows where Hasty, Arkansas is. It's, there is, I I think the next town over actually is Jasper. If you hop on the little road and wind around the mountains and and it used to be you drove through the river, now you drive over the river. But hanging around that Jasper area and what was Dogpatch and so on, I grew up doing all of that. I've never been to those art cafes. I'm going to have to check that we'll out. i
1: will have to. I, I've got a dog patch t-shirt that uh, that I love to wear because I grew up, you know, we got to go there one time as, yeah. a, as a kid, but grew up with the commercials that we would see during our Saturday morning cartoons on a very regular basis. But actually really excited to see what Johnny Morris is going to be doing with that, yeah. that area as whatever's happening there starts to come to life.
0: Yeah. Well, what I've been reading looks fascinating. I can't wait to see it. Will you tell me a story and let's call this a, I'll call it a hashtag because Bentonville story. And this is something that happened or a moment in time where you looked at it and went, you know, that could only happen in Bentonville or it describes the essence of this place. Yeah, I I think this is really just, a.
1: I think about the last couple of weeks in in my just normal, normal life. Mm -hmm. Um, The opportunities from a professional, a personal, a family, a faith. Standpoint, it's just it's just crazy. So I thought I'd just kind of take you through a, yeah. a, a couple the last couple we of agree. weeks. I think it was last week was the supply chain uh, trends summit at mm-hmm. the Record, which is a great venue downtown where Plug and Play and the University of Arkansas combined forces to talk through supply chain trends and great event. Lots of learning, lots of networking opportunity. Um, and I stepped out my door at my office and walked down there. Yeah, again, very easy, easily accessible. Last Friday I was able to attend a, a partner appreciation breakfast for Bentonville Ignite. And I'm sure you're familiar mm-hmm. with that program, but that's a program from the Bentonville School District that places students in internships with businesses and gives them workforce training at, at the high school level to either help them better prepare for college in whatever field they might want to go into or in some cases go straight into the workforce. And so was able to look at that event and look at the I mean, I don't know how many kids were there, but it looked like a couple of hundred to me. And all of these students are getting unique educational and professional development opportunities through our school district. Of course, that event was at the Ledger, which Mm -hmm. you've talked about many times on this this podcast, just such a phenomenal venue and, and building. So great opportunity to get to talk about those things while you're looking out over Bentonville was able to attend my daughter's orchestra concert. Um, There's a phenomenal orchestra support here in the Bentonville School District and got to go watch her do the thing that she loves to do with a group of people and get that sort of family fulfillment. And then Saturday with my church, uh, we we did a program that was outreach to uh, the foster care community called Hope NWA. And so just when you look at the nonprofit community in this area, again, there's so much abundance that there's so many people that want to be able to give back. And so to get to have this professional, this family, and even this sort of focus on giving back and, and for me, faith is, is really big. And gosh, today, uh, about two hours ago, I was standing on the Bentonville square at Asa Hutchinson's mm-hmm. announcement of launching his presidential campaign. And he talked about why is he doing that in Bentonville? And it's because of what Bentonville has meant to him personally, but also, it is, a, it is a known name on the national stage. And uh, gosh, just amazing breadth of experiences that, again, I don't know where else you get those types of experience. I think that's about a week and a half, right? <laughs> and that's just me cherry picking a few things, again, across that professional, uh, personal faith and um, even political stage. It's just uh, it's an incredible place to get to have that many different types of opportunities
0: you bet and that's i mean that's a legit like the crazy part is or the almost unfathomable part is that that's normal right this is like a normal week and a right. half here which is uh, pretty uh, incredible as we start wrapping up an important question i don't want to miss is if somebody wants to reach you michael or learn more about RevUnit, how do they do that
1: uh, the normal channels revunit.com is our website. We've got a contact form there. I'm Michael M I C H A E L at revunit.com. Hit me up. I'm probably slow on email, but I'll get back to you at some point. Um, and if you know me personally, just shoot me a text, and we'll uh, hit up James, and he can give you my number.
0: That's pretty easy. Okay. Well, as we wind down, we'll roll through some quick sort of random questions and maybe an advice question or two in there. First question: If you could pick one age to be permanently what would that age be and
1: why? That's an interesting question. Um, somewhere in late 30s, I'll pick 38, kind of before some of the the older age challenges started. I'm mm-hmm. 44 now, so a little bit earlier on where my knees were a little bit better, that sort of thing. But uh, gosh, I, I loved the just the, the confidence that, that happened more into your 30s. I think in our 20s, my wife and I have talked about this many times, we were still trying to be someone else. Mm-hmm. And I think by our late 30s, we, we had a good sense of who we were, a good sense of confidence in that. And uh, yeah, it's a great age. I don't mind 44 either though. No. It's not a bad place to be right now.
0: I feel like that, I, you're right. Um, I, I, I think my life was much the same way trying to be somebody else in my twenties and finding confidence in my thirties and and beyond. So I like that answer. What's left on your bucket list that maybe you'll do in the next couple of years? I got to create
1: a bucket list. So, uh, (laughs) 10 and a half years of running a very high growth startup. I've not had a lot of chance to, to sit down and put that together. Um, so to some extent creating that, but my kids are 16 and 13 and, gosh, in the next four years, my wife and I will be empty nesters. So we'll have, oh, wow. we'll have time on our hands and we'll have to figure out what that life transition looks like. So hopefully lots of adventures and, and time to go explore.
0: Time to create that list. You got a couple of years before you have to start it. Yes, sir. Growing up, what did you
1: want to be? So I grew up going to Catholic schools. I actually wanted to be a priest for a really long time. Wow. Um, until about eighth grade. And for those astute listeners would probably... Recognize the uh, onset of interest in girls at that, op- at that time. And so that, that tended to uh, put an end to that desire at that point. But uh, obviously I've, I've mentioned my faith a couple of times already. It's still very important to me, but no, I did not become a priest.
0: <laughs> Notice that. What's something that you're learning right now or that you learned recently? Man, I'm trying to
1: learn more about classical music with my daughter being in the orchestra. Music is not something that has been particularly important to me. Certainly classical music and string instruments I, I've known nothing about. And so just because it's interesting and important to her, it becomes interesting and important to me. And I have a lot of growth needed in that area um, because, man, she talks about a lot of things that I just don't understand and, and I don't hear it. And so still trying to pick that up and learn more about that.
0: Great. Has she told you yet that uh, Beethoven was both death- uh, deaf and blind. I, she doesn't like
1: Beethoven. So, really? um, but yes, I, I am aware, um, but gosh, we're, we're learning about all of that. Over, um, we had a, a trip to New York earlier in the year and was able to go to Carnegie Hall with her cool. and go see a, a quartet there. And so it's getting really, really fun to see her light up and be so excited about, uh, about something that is, you know, foreign to me, but, but trying to learn more.
0: Yeah. Okay. A couple more questions. With the arrival of generative AI, what advice do you have for tech workers and then also for uh, other workers?
1: Man, I, I think one of the most interesting skills over the next couple of years is going to be distinguishing between truth and mm-hmm. lack thereof or generative content. And I, I know, I mean, fake news has been a topic that's obviously been interesting for a while, but gosh, that that ability to discern what is real versus what is fabricated is that is a skill. And I don't know how any of us are going to figure out how to do it. I'm sure technology will assist in that, but I think we all are going to have to retrain ourselves to understand when you see video, you tend to believe it. We might not believe a a text-based article on the internet. When we see video, we tend to believe it. And that's, that's not true anymore. And so I think I know there's plenty of opportunities to talk about automation and creating marketing content and things like that. But I think for the average employee, the average person, it's going to be understanding what, what is real and what isn't. That is going to get incredibly complicated
0: over the next few years. Absolutely. I've watched a couple of videos you know, on social media recently where if you paid attention to the video, you're like, that can't be true. That person could not have said that because... They then say the next thing and the next thing, and they're as equally as (laughs) nuts. Let's just call it that. And and then you read the comments below it, and I'm kind of saddened by the number of people who jump in and comment that believe it's absolutely true. And the original poster multiple times is going, it's a joke. It's not real. Why do you believe this?
1: Those echo chambers are going to get deeper because there's going to be so much content that can just be generated on the fly, it's going to be a challenge for us.
0: Yeah. What do you think the positives of generative AI are going to be? I mean, obviously it is impactful
1: from how quickly we can move. Um, it is impactful uh, for knowledge workers to be able to to get ideation. Uh, there's some really interesting thing happening in the gaming and storytelling space. Joe Payne of Unlimited here in Northwest Arkansas, somebody you should maybe mm-hmm. talk to. Yeah. He's doing some incredible things with generative AI and, and storytelling within video games that effectively allows the game to take shape and move and mold um, in different ways for different players. I, there's gonna be some really interesting things. I, I think there's gotta be a lot of just management of that during, during the
0: process. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, one last question. What's something I should have asked you but did not ask?
1: Yeah, so I get asked relatively often just advice for early entrepreneurs. Yeah. And I think something that I did not understand in those early days that I've come to understand more of in, in my last few years, for those entrepreneurs that are venture-backed, private equity-backed, even angel-backed, if you don't own 100% of your company, your job as the CEO hmm. is largely to manage a financial instrument, and that sounds really capitalistic and not nearly as inspirational as people want to hear. But the the reason that most entrepreneurs get into that space is to create something that they love, whether that's an offering to their clients or create a great experience for their employees. You get to do those things, but you have to do those things within the context of understanding that you operate a financial instrument. And so for those, those early entrepreneurs or those that want to be entrepreneurs, I, just, I encourage them to have a really good alignment with their investors, understand their timelines, understand what their expected returns are just to ensure that you get to do the things that you want to do as an entrepreneur to create that next product or service or whatever it is that makes the world better. You've gotta be able to manage that uh, investor group and effectively manage the financial instrument that you you are a steward
0: of. That is sage advice. Michael, thank you for coming on the show and thank you again to you and Joe for the help y'all gave me. As I was thinking about bringing my family here and for really helping make that happen and doing so. And thank you again for being one of the folks seeding what we know today as our startup community and for being one of the cultivators of that community as well. You're welcome, James. Thank you. Hey, thanks to our Bentonville Beacon audience. Uh, Without you, this show would not be possible. So please share this episode with your friends and colleagues Keep coming back to hear more about Bentonville's leaders and their businesses and Bentonville in Northwest Arkansas, this place where you get more of what you want and less of what you don't. And to see all of our episodes, check them out at bentonvillebeacon.com or, of course, on your favorite podcast player where you will hit that subscribe button. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Bentonville Beacon podcast. We hope to see you next week.